Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I'm afraid I can't start off this week's happy hour with any happy news. Oh, no. Why is that? I feel I feel sad saying this, but apparently there's been another attack on our democracy worse than the Civil War. Another attack? Wow, that's crazy. Tell me about it. Joe Biden said this week that the election laws in Pennsylvania and Texas, apparently, election integrity laws, which just means like you have to effing prove you are who you are and be a citizen and vote, um, constitutes the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War, which was the worst attack since like the last week's worst attack. They're just kind of you know, I don't know if anyone's pointed this out, but under the Biden administration, we have had an awful lot of worst attacks since, you know, like every week there's another worst attack. So at one, po- one point, are people going to hold Biden accountable for all these attacks happening on his watch? <laughs> no, but I mean, right. They keep saying, oh, the voting rights is the worst attack. January 6th is the worst attack. I don't know what other I can't even keep straight the worst attacks, but it just seems like there's a lot of attacks happening on his watch. Vaccine disinformation. Saying. That's another attack. That's right. That's it's almost right. like he wants a civil war. Liz, what do you think about that? I think these people um, believe that their extremist rhetoric is helping their cause. And all it's doing is making a lot of people just numb to what they say. Nobody Mm -hmm. takes anything seriously like that anymore because it's so over the top. And then there are people that are getting ready for some kind of a civil war because we keep hearing about all of this civil unrest. So I do think that they kind of want to rile people up so they can justify getting more federal authority and power to crack down on the filthy casuals like us. Yes. Well, like um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley says, um, we are Nazis, brown shirts. Apparently that's in his um, book that's coming out. These people are, he's fucking crazy. These people are crazy. They all, there's all these people who are getting their post-Trump books to press now. They've been working on them. So they're calling up all of the bureaucrats to spill their guts. And all of these people, especially the malignant narcissists, are always giving themselves the hero's edit, like Millie, right? Who's right. He, he thinks he's battling against the Third Reich. Like that's legitimate what he thinks he's doing. And of course it goes into the book. So everybody has to distance themselves as much as possible from Trump. And they have to be the hero of that story of how they thought Trump was going to, there was going to be a military coup. And, you know, what, how was that going to happen? Like what was, this is from the joint chiefs of staff, by the way. So how is the military coup going to happen? Like how, how was Trump going to do that? What was he going to do? Do you know? Like we don't have any details. We just have like a lot of over the top descriptions. It was obviously Liz 
comprised, his army was comprised of organic um, shaman clad in fur, um, Indiana grandmothers, like some disabled vets, uh, a couple. A lot I of heard a whole family owners. got arrested. So like a whole whole family units too. Don't forget yeah. that. A whole crime family from Texas taken off the streets for parading and picketing Congress. That's one of the charges uh, against an entire crime family. Thank God the people of Texas can sleep well knowing. They're safe now. They're safe. They are safe. Right. So here's what's always funny, Liz, as covering this as closely as I have. And I don't want to disparage these people because some of them, you know, are sort of, some are down on their luck. Some are just kind of troubled. A lot of them really you know, like us, thought the election was stolen. So, so, you know, there's that backstory. Regular Americans who are just infuriated, not just what happened in the election, but the entire year, right? The lockdowns, the craziness with the masks, and then the BLM rioting, and suddenly that was okay. So people were justifiably angered, a lot of them who showed up that day. But the idea that this crowd including the ones who are already arrested, now we're up to 550, could orchestrate any sort of insurrection or overthrow of the government, hang Mike Pence. I mean, they barely could even sit at Nancy Pelosi's desk without, like, you know, falling over. Like, it's this was not the army. So what exactly was Mark Milley so horrified about that he was so worried about comparing this to uh, you know, Nazis and comparing Trump to Adolf Hitler, assuring Nancy Pelosi he would not use the military to stay in office. Like it all just sounds too convenient. What Millie has told is saying in his book. Well, I mean, we could read some the of the hero, excerpt. right? The right. purpose of that is to make him the hero. And if he thought that what he saw on January 6th was worse than actual gangs of people burning down cities then what you know what do you do with that who is this clown right that you you can't even compare them there were people that were actually burning down cities and trying to blow up federal court buildings around the country and right. obviously in the pacific northwest and so i assume in his book there's no mention of that but somehow because when you say something like there's going to be a military coup, then it's like, OK, well, how was was Trump going to give the order to who to to get the troops to I don't know, to do what at fill in the blank? Like what? How was that going to happen with the military? For, and this coming from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this, people like him and all of these other proud peacockers post Trump, they tell a good tail rhetorically but if you are in the least bit rational it just makes absolutely no sense how is trump going to have a military coup i mean it just it's just there's no details he was going to do this and then this person was in place and that person was going to do this at this time and give the ghost signal no it's that that's not it at all that we get no details so this is just a little pansy asshole i don't know i mean i guess i do know how this guy rose up in the ranks which you know, gives you a good idea of what the civil service corps looks like and the civil servant corps um, looks like and the military, which is very scary. Um, you know, as much as I don't like to defend Trump, you know, I am very sympathetic to the fact that he went into the government with absolutely no idea how corrupt it is 
And what do you do when you have a workforce that's like 5 million people of 5 million people where at least half of them are corrupt? What do you Is do? Is it only that? half? Really? I, well, I'm being generous because I'm a nice person like that. But <laughs> let's just say you are just, glass half full gal. Give. Yes. Let's just give the benefit of the doubt and say it's only half. Like what? What do you do with them? You can't fire them. It's very difficult to file, fire a civil servant. But even the ones you can fire, who do you put in their place? The the Republicans are have done such a terrible job. They've ceded everything. We have no bench. We have nope. no one moving up the ranks. No. Who do you put in these positions? Who? There's nobody. We don't have our people in the civil service working for the government. So... It's just like, it's a, it's a mess. So anyway, this Millie guy and others, I've seen so many book excerpts coming out. Everybody's so exciting. It'll be interesting to see how this does on like the book ranking list. Like, where is it on Amazon? You know, is it, is, are, are people buying this? Are people buying this book or any of these books? What do you think? I mean, I think in a way, bring it on. Because it's one thing to have, you know, a kook like, say, Michael Cohen, who was a Trump ally, go out there and try to write a book and get, you know, attention for himself. Or even like a lowlife like Jim Comey or Andrew McCabe. Um, People recognize what partisans they were. You know, first they were hated by the left, then they were loved by the left. I think that most Americans draw a line at military leaders being so flagrantly um, subversive, partisan, and political, and in this case, um, you know, really sabotaging a a president and then an outgoing president. I mean, how are people going to respond to this? Not only him referring to uh, Republicans as Nazis in brown shirts, but this. Um, This is what Millie reportedly was saying about the peaceful transfer of power. Everyone in this room, whether you're a cop, soldier, we're going to stop these guys to make sure we have a peaceful transfer of power. I guess he's addressing the troops or someone. We're going to put a ring of steel around this city and the Nazis aren't getting in. At Biden swearing in January 20th, Millie was seated behind former President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, who asked the general how he was feeling. No one has a bigger smile than I do today, Millie replied. You can't see it under my mask, but I do. Yeah, I think I mean, most Americans are going to find that beyond the pale. It's gross. You've got to remember that this guy is writing for a very tiny niche audience of people that still give a shit because there are people that are super defined by their anti-Trump, Trump hatred. And then there's a lot of people who just were sick of the drama and didn't like Trump, but weren't hyper invested in it all the time. Those people aren't going to buy the book. And those are probably the majority of people that didn't vote for Biden. So there's a very tiny group of of people that are interested in reading this kind of garbage from Millie. And that's it. I mean, a lot of these outlets, as you know, that made their claim to their claim to fame and their traffic on anti-Trump mythology that they were spreading their traffic is down. CNN's down like 75% story last week about how the Atlantic is going to lose even more money. Now, of course, that's like a pity fuck operation by Steve Jobs' widow, who's a big lib. But still, I mean, the people aren't reading this shit anymore. So you can put your book out with your hero edit 
and make yourself feel really important. But honestly, I think most people do not care. I mean, they kind of just want to not go. They don't want the the sort of at 11 hair on fire every single day, every hour that we just had for five years. And so they're not interested in cuddling up on the weekend with a glass of wine and a book by some narcissist who wants to paint himself as like a Nazi fighter. I'm, I'm Jewish. I take offense to when people start saying uh, that someone are Nazis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's so, just a, uh, he's just a modern day Patton. That's who he but, is. But this is the kind of person that's in the government. Th- this guy is, is in the government. These are the kinds of people that work for the federal government. So take yeah, notice. it's pretty, it's pretty terrifying. Um, that and he he's still there. I mean, he's working oh, in yeah. capacity for Joe Biden. He's not going anywhere. Um, and this is the guy, if people will recall, who gave testimony before Congress a few weeks ago talking about white rage, and he wants to understand right. white rage and. Um, you know, he read when now, remember, he said he was he'd read Mao and other, you know, important thinkers, I guess, that formed, obviously, his uh, political philosophy. Obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we now we see how it did. No, right. Exactly. Uh, yep. I remember that test of testimony um, about white rage. Uh, I just these people are not serious. They're playing like a role in some epic that they've constructed for themselves so that they're the hero and that they're virtuous and they can get applause by saying, oh, look at this white man who's talking about white rage. He's so self-aware. You know, give him a Scooby snack. Not serious. Liz, it's interesting to look back to last June um, and how the term insurrection was first seeded. And it was allegedly part of this June 1st meeting, which ironically included Bill Barr, who we now know betrayed the president and all of us, Mark Milley and Mark Esper, who is the acting defense secretary. Reportedly in that meeting on June 1st, after the weekend of uh, summer of love protests over Memorial Day weekend where, you know, $2 billion in damages, you know, cops shot, some killed, uh, places looted. Apparent, reportedly, Trump floated the idea of invoking the Insurrection Act and sending active duty, 10,000 active duty troops to the streets of cities who were uh, particularly under siege by these protesters. And Barr, Esper, and uh, Millie all rejected that. That's what we are being told also in Bill Barr's book. A few days later, Mark Esper came out and said, point blank, um, I don't support using the Insurrection Act to send troops. Well, first of all, no one gives a shit if you support it or not. You're not the president. You follow the president's orders, right? But it's almost looking back how they seeded this whole word, the whole notion that Trump would invoke the Insurrection Act. They rejected it. And then they continued to drag that narrative out through the election, claiming that Trump would use the military to keep him in the Oval Office. The term violent insurrection was in that whole war game thing that the left and never Trumpers did. Remember last summer where they were kind of playing out the post-election scenarios. And so they almost helped prep the groundwork for using the word insurrection on January 6th, no matter what happened that day. They were going to foster some kind of violence or optics that would that would help bolster what they had already started last June. 
And Millie, as we know, was part of that. And talking to Nancy Pelosi, why did he talk to Liz Cheney on January 7th? About what? Like, obviously, he was in cahoots with all the wrong people um, who wanted to plant this story, this idea in the heads of Americans that this was an insurrection and that this was something that Trump had wanted all along. So when you sort of connect the dots, this whole thing about the Capitol protest falls apart once again. And what Millie probably doesn't know is he's unwittingly help, helping to unravel that. Yeah, I I think that also in the summer we had like a dry run or a beta test of these riots to kind of set the stage. Like, here's a little taste of what's going to ha- what we, what can happen you know, at post-election. Um, and then the anti-Trump forces in the Esper bar and Millie, you know, they were, con- they could prop it up with, you know, talking about how these, these people, these freedom fighters were just fighting for, you know, freedom and fair elections and against a coup um, of Trump and whatever coup that is or how that was going to look. Um but I think you're right. Uh, there's been a lot of after now that Trump is gone, there's a lot of betrayal that has come out. I was very surprised or not surprised. I guess I'm not really surprised anymore about anything. But it was very disappointing to see uh, what had come out, what had come out about Bill Barr. Yeah, um, I had thought better of him. But I guess at the end of the day, he's an institutionalist and he's going to want to protect the institution, his the, the government institutions. He is. I mean, you and I were big fans of his. We really thought the things he said early on about, uh, you know, obviously he wrapped up the Mueller probe and set his sights on Crossfire Hurricane, the origins of Crossfire Hurricane appointed, uh, put John Durham in a position where he was allegedly investigating what happened. Um, But there's no reason now to continue to believe that anything is going to come out of the John Durham investigation, that this was all sort of the show that Bill Barr, especially the last year of Trump's presidency, um, that Barr was at was really undermining Trump and his supporters. There's no reason to think anything is going to come out of John Durham at all. So that'll just be another well, whatever his report says, if it even ever comes out, he may just fade away. You know, people will forget and it'll just be like it never existed. But, you know, even if he does have a report, we just learned last week about how poorly the FBI handled the Larry Nasser sexually abusing female children, little girls, little girl gymnasts, and how the FBI totally botched that investigation. And in addition to the horrifying specifics of how they botched that investigation, we learned that the FBI is not going to press any charges against the uh, special agent in charge who, you know, basically kind of dragged his feet, wasted about two years investigating for a job with the U.S. Yeah, was trying to get a job with the U.S. Olympic Committee, cozying up there while investigating Larry Nasser, who was the doctor, the medical doctor for the USA gymnastic girls team, and also was treating patients at Michigan State University. He was continuously sexually abusing these girls. And basically for two years, you know, they didn't, he didn't really follow up, didn't follow up with 
other girls after the initial complaint months to go interview her, then didn't bother with other people that came in and said the same things. You know, it's a child molester. So if there's no punishment for a child molester, you know, that's not a political issue. That's just, you know, that's any normal person thinks that's gross uh, and unacceptable. And, you know, if we're not going to punish the guy who kind of looked the other way, let's say, uh, for a child molester, um, you know, what, 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 what do you think is going to happen to the people that uh, Durham's looking into? Exactly. Nothing. You know, here's the thing with the Nasser case. I wrote about it even in 2018 when um, the I, IG opened the investigation into what happened. It's not even that this agent or a couple people in the um, field office, Indianapolis field office, mishandled it. Um, it is a couple of things. First of all, why wasn't Nasser on the FBI's radar screen on its own without even any in, any whistleblowers or victims stepping forward? This was a guy at a obviously a Big Ten university. He was traveling interstate. He was going to Bella Caroli's ranch every summer to train these girls. He was going, um, flying internationally with them to um, U.S. Olympic competitions and other related competitions. He had disgusting videos showing this technique, he says, where he is performing what most women would consider, if your doctor was doing it, an internal exam, he wasn't. He was molesting these girls. They knew that it was off. He had videos on this. This is something the FBI should have picked up on and investigated on their own without ever anyone directly to these agents and have the FBI sit on this case for months on end. Um, but what were they doing? You have a culture in the FBI now, um, and that's why these agents can get away with it. They know that they're not being punished. Um, who are they protecting? They can't even protect young, you know, our top elite athletes in the country at the time. All they protect are their jobs. And now you have every everyone, every field office, 56 or so of them hunting down Americans for, who were trespassing. At the same time, they have nothing to say. I think the calculation is at least 70 girls were molested between the time it was first reported to the FBI and the time Nasser finally was uh, arrested in late 2016. Um, I mean, that's pretty sick. That's yeah. I mean, I how know many how many girls were you know just were molested, continual you know continuing to be molested while you know this yeah. agent he, in charge was just you know whatever. Who cares, right? Who cares? And then the FBI's response, oh, we're, you know, we're very disappointed and this won't happen again. And, you know, the usual BS. And, of course, the Justice Department, Bill Barr again, September 2020, apparently refused to prosecute the agents uh, who were not just mishandled this but lied. And even apparently when Michael Horowitz, who seems like the only decent person in the U.S. Justice Department, um, went back to these sources, thought that they lied again uh, in May. This Justice Department, Merrick Garland's, refused to pick it back up again. So these girls, <clears throat> victims, have been betrayed at every level. Um, and it's just another really 
infuriating case of how these our top law enforcement agency operates, which is corruptly. Yeah, it's um, you you just got to scratch your head. Um, what exactly are they doing? You know, and I I don't I don't want to think that they're all bad. I don't think that they're all bad, but I have to say that this is things like this aren't aren't helping. You know, the image. Um, most people may not be political. They don't know all the stuff they went on with the Russia collusion hoax. They can't follow it all. There's so many details. So, but everybody understands child molesting. You know, they understand what that is and sexual abuse by our Olympic gymnasts. All of, remember the Fab Five, you know, they're at the Olympics. All these girls, this guy was sticking his fingers in their vaginas and the FBI was like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Not worried. So very, very, very disgusting and disappointing. So let's talk about Cuba. So in Cuba right now, there are people in the streets and they are angry about COVID vaccines. That's what um, the Biden administration has told us, that they are just in the streets um, because of COVID. you sound they want skeptical. COVID vaccines. Are you skeptical? Does it make sense? Yeah, they just sure. Want, they want COVID vaccines. That's what it is. <laughs> so there's all this civil unrest of Cubans who are otherwise extremely happy with their education system and their healthcare system and their standard of living in Cuba, which is a socialist paradise. Um, they're happy about that. They just want vaccines. And as they're in the streets, the Biden administration wants them to know, don't come here because they do not want Cubans to come here. You got to go through Mexico. <laughs> you got to look. If you're gonna come here, you can't come in a boat. You got to pay a drug cartel coyote to get you across the border. You can't come here. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, why? Why is that? Why are Cubans being left out of the immigration onslaught? I can't figure that one out. Why do you think? Well, I'm going to guess and I'm going to say that the administration doesn't want people who have a grudge against socialism. (laughs) They don't want them here in the U.S. And I felt kind of bad looking at the photos of these people waving the American flag. And I was like, I have some some bad news for you (laughs) once you get here. Right. This is not your place. I don't know. I have some news. There have been some developments <laughs> since you last checked in here. Um, and we're kind of following your footsteps now. Yes. Let me um, take you to our special prisons. <laughs> yes. And also, you know, um, we need to redistribute our wealth and make sure that people who have worked have have worked hard for the things they have need to give it for people who haven't worked hard or don't work at all so yeah it's kind of a kind of an interesting thing but yeah the Biden administration does not care about the Cuban who are the Cubans who want their freedom and of course Black Lives Matters have put out uh, some statements saying that they um, support the communists and are (laughs) mad that the U.S. has embargoed uh, you know, trade. We've we've embargoed trade from Cuba because they're communist and there's a dictatorship there. So Black Lives Matter Shocker. on the right side here, I guess, right? 
That's just the shocking. Yeah. I know. Well, they're what all about, down for that, right? Can we send those Texas legislators who escaped Texas to Washington, D.C. on a private jet? Can we send them to Cuba? Can we do like an exchange? I like that idea. Um, you know, when I saw that and everybody for like all the media, the blue check marks, the smart people, the smartest people, pull, the Pulitzers, the Pulitzer winners, yes. they were so excited that these Democrats had fled Texas um, so they wouldn't have to vote um, on the worst offense since the Nazis, as Jen Milley said, which was some vote reform. But then I was remembering in Oregon, do you remember when the Republicans like fled Oregon because they didn't want to yes. vote? Probably don't. Yes. They were not called. They were not treated the same. It was and horrible. Wisconsin, Wisconsin legislators not that long yep. ago fled to Illinois. Yep. Republicans. So, so silly. You can uh, get a sense of uh, what's really going on here. And it's, you know, it's not good. And all these voting reforms, you know, the Texas Democrats thought they were cute. And they, it looks like a charter plane. They chartered yeah. a plane. Someone paid for that. Who paid for that? I don't know. They got on a plane. They took a picture. They have, I guess, some, some beer with them. And they flew to D.C. And they didn't have masks on. And that was the thing I was the most offended by. Because I fly quite frequently. And let me tell you that if I leave my mask down too long after I take a sip yep. of my, Coke, my Diet Coke Zero, I, I am put in my place by Sturdis. Yes, you're almost tackled by um, so, yeah, air marshal, air marshals, an air marshal. But <laughs> actually, but now, I'd rather be tackled by an air marshal than your average American airline stewardess because these people are intolerable. If you are flying, they uh, they only exist now to yell at customers about their face mat, the placement of the mask on their face. That's all they like do. A, a Karen, you have to be a Karen. That's what, basically what the airlines is. And yet I just saw a plane full of Democrats without a mask right, on a plane with no mask. And they went to Washington, D.C. I want to know who paid for their plane and who's paying for them in Washington, D.C. Like, where, where are they staying? Who's paying for their food? How, what is this going? What, who is underwriting this little escapade? The media won't ask. Indeed. Trust me on that. But these folks are angry about voter integrity measures. And all of these different states are taking measures to secure their election after what can only be called a ridiculous bullshit operation because of COVID, where all of the laws were thrown out, regulations were thrown out, all sorts of weird things that are have never been done before. And now these states are making laws to make sure they don't happen again. You know, like these drop boxes all over the place, un, un, really unsecured drop boxes, all these ridiculous rules. And remember, a lot of this stuff these, these Democrats are protesting and calling the worst thing since the Holocaust are actually new and didn't happen before 2020. Um, and right. so now they're absolutely going crazy. And you've got to ask yourself, what does it mean that they keep making the rules so that it's easier to cheat and less secure. 
even though the public, I think at least 70% of their public, and this is across racial groups, support making securing our elections and using things like voter ID. And yet these people keep pushing for their agenda regardless. Um, you know, Liz, this is not a party or a president. This is not how a party or a president behaves when they have the majority of the American people on their side. This is not how you behave right. if you legitimately won a nationwide election by most votes ever. six million. Right. Most votes ever in the history of America, even since the Civil War. This is not how a popular party with, you know, the right policies, et cetera. This is not how they behave. This is a desperate authoritarian party. They know the only way that they can win especially next year in the midterms, is by force to codify the 2020 election rules or to codify what happened, which was the violation of a lot of election law. They know that's the only way that they can win because they cannot win over the majority of Americans. Um, And so this hyperbole that is so destructive, really, to have Joe Biden, he looked like a tyrant this week because when he was speaking First of all, of course, he messed up so many words, but there was a weird, creepy echo as he was talking about these election laws and making all of these threats. And uh, it, it just it was so it was so <coughs> he looked so tyrannical and sounded like it. He just looked like a lunatic. If So that's not how a popular, confident president behaves. Um, It just is showing their desperation, not just to keep covering up what happened in 2020, because now we have things coming out of this Georgia audit, you know, actual optics now that show how these ballots were uh, recounted time and time again, over and over. Um, So they're covering up 2020. They thought that the riot was going to silence everybody. It, It did temporarily, but it hasn't long term. And now they're terrified about the midterms because not only do they have nothing to run on, um, they the redistricting in these red states are going to add Republican seats to Congress and take away Democrat ones. So um, this is a this is a desperate party and a desperate president. Well, I'm not really optimistic about the next 2022, because even if the Republicans take power, they're not going to do anything. I mean, the Democrats just have to wait it out until they get back in power, because it's not like the Republicans are going to do anything or reverse anything or lay down the law or they're they're just not. So, I mean, well, we can't do anything with this current leadership, right? We can't have Kevin McCarthy. uh, What would he do as Speaker of the House? Nothing. Play along with the Dems. He's not going to do anything. And I don't think he's going to go. Do you think he's going to go anywhere? No. I mean, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. First of all, a lot of people don't, nobody really wants to do it. The other thing is that, you know, until there are good candidates and there's enough people in office that will throw out someone like Kevin McCarthy, they're just going to, they're just going to have Kevin McCarthy, you know, they'll just leave him there. And then they get to do the failure theater where everybody gets what they need, which is they can talk a good game and they can say they're doing all of this stuff to to, you know, sort of work on the, quote, Republican agenda. But, you know, Biden's the president. They can't get anything done. And so they'll have cover, but they'll get to rail against it and go on TV and 
put, you know, when they do do something, they, they, you know, it'll, it'll be sure not to pass so that nothing actually changes. I'm not, I'm not really optimistic. I do understand why the Democrats are upset because, you know, they have all their committees that are, are, you know, hunting down wrong thinkers like Trump voters or people who think there may have been voter fraud um, and people who have followers on Twitter who may have been at the Capitol. I read somewhere that that's going to be a thing yeah. now. They're making a database that's of scary. not just the people who they've arrested for January 6th, but who on social media these people like followed. So I don't know if the DOJ knows how Twitter works, but like I don't have any control over who follows me. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's that the Democrats need power because they need their show trials. They need to get their headlines. They need to, you know, um, stir stuff up so that there's something to write about that it looks like they're. Well, it doesn't just look like because they are, you know, advancing their agenda um, and making people's lives miserable. But you, you won't see the same thing with re, re, for when Republicans are in power. They're going to move on. They want to move on. We got to move on, Julie. Can't can't go backwards. Got to move on. So I'm not particularly optimistic. I just think it's a clown, a clown show. Um, even well, when and Republicans are in office. Let's say they do get the House and even the Senate back next year. If you have McCarthy and you have McConnell still in charge, that opens up the door wide open for Trump to run in 2024 because you're going to have a base so disappointed at what those two clowns are going to do with power, which is nothing, um, that it'll be easy for Trump to run again because he'll once again, look at like the antidote to this bipartisan beltway uh, operation that works against, you know, half the country. I think that oh, I that would doesn't be run again, though. You know, part of me doesn't. But then I think, Liz, who who would run? Like, who, know. who do we have? No one. Well, we have Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I don't know. So. I like him. I, I want him to stay in Florida, obviously, because I have a place there. But. I don't know if he's ready for prime time. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think Trump should run. I don't. I just. Yeah, I'm with I, you. I mean, because I don't think Trump still to this day, I don't think Trump knows why he won the election 2016. Yeah. I don't think so. And I think that he is fighting a battle that is not the actual battle. And, you know, he kind of thinks he's playing footsies with the media, you know, that it's like the media and he likes to have his public enemies and he likes to come out and have these public displays. Um, and I don't think that he actually understands what the battle he's in and what he needs to do to change the trajectory, um, you know, our, our trajectory. So, you know, he does he does do some things like I remember at the last minute he did a bunch of things, but it was kind of like, what have you been doing? You've had four years. Right. You came in. You had a lot of time to do stuff. So I know a lot of people gave Trump a lot of information, gave him lists, told him people that need to be moved out and people that could go in. And, you know, nothing happened. So 
I don't know. Do, you know, do you think he learned his lesson? Or, I don't know. That's you know, the big question mark. I mean, we, you and I have plenty of criticism of Trump and it's no secret that we do, but you look down the road. Okay. You're really two years away from primaries. Who is there going to be if we're stuck with the same kind of crew that we were in 2016? Trump is going to look pretty good. Um, and also, to your point, that's the big question. Did he learn any lessons after no. he? No, probably not. I don't think he I don't think he I don't think he's learned any lesson. Do, I mean, it, I mean, would I, he I go would he go in and the minute he's sworn in, go in and just like get rid of everyone at the intelligence community and FBI, DOJ, he, Defense Department? Who would he bring in? Who would he bring in? Let's say he ran. He he ran anyone. Who us? Who, me? You? No, I would not. I <laughs> look. I'll be honest. Right when Trump won, and people said, oh, "Are you going to go in to the what to work actually in the West Wing?" And I was like, "I swear to you, I said this, and I've I've witnesses. I said people are going to go to jail, and I don't want to go to jail." Yeah. This yeah. was this was in 2016. I was like, absolutely not absolutely not so he doesn't I don't know if he has good advisors I mean I don't really know who's advising him he's seeing a lot of people now I know so many of my friends are like oh do you want to go down and talk Trump I'm like no I don't and they're going down and Trump they had a meeting with Trump and yeah so many people he's talking to a lot of people the problem with Trump is that he does he listens to the last person who talked to him okay that's so a good point you know people like that the last person you know yep. takes in counsel from everybody and then the last person that talked to him is the one that he listens to so I mean I, you know I'm I'm really critical of Trump in a way I I'm disappointed even though I shouldn't be disappointed because really what did we expect from somebody who is is an outsider who has no experience in DC politics to the point where he just had no idea what he was up against he just mm -hmm. wasn't prepared for it right He's like, oh, I love the generals. I love the people with the uniforms. It's like. Okay. Mad dog. Mad dog. Yeah, Mad, you're my, oh my guy. God. The guy like turns on him two months later. Think of all those. Yeah. Remember everyone. Mad dog. Mad dog. Mad. It's a dumb shit that, you know, wanted to bring Theranos and um, the little fake blood test scam from Elizabeth Holmes over to the Pentagon. That's how smart that d dude was. <laughs> He was like brokering a deal to like use their technology that didn't exist to the Pentagon. And he was on their board too. That's so right. that's, that's how right. smart Mad Dog Mattis was. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know a lot of people like Trump and I get, I, I understand what he represents to them, which is a big fat fuck you to the establishment yeah. and to the status quo, the political status quo. But I don't know. I don't not the only not thing, too, is watching his rallies. You know, he's still the only politician out there who seems to be able to uh, represent the patriotism and love for this country that a lot of people still feel, even as it's you know crumbling around us. But but he still is able to convey that love for America, that patriotism, you know, what what we're supposed to be about because there's such a huge vacuum, especially on the Republican side, you just don't hear that anymore. Um, and so that still motivates people, I think. Um, uh, so I, I just don't know. You know, 
my instinct is, oh my God, no, please don't run again. No, you had your shot. It's over. But then you look around the political landscape on the Republican side and you're like, okay, who is it? DeSantis. Okay. But he's got some shortcomings and he's young. It's it's probably going to be like Rubio. Who do you think's going to run? Like, it's going to be like a Rubio. What if Jeb runs again? (laughs) Oh God. That's what I'm saying. What if it's just the 2016 retread group? Like, I mean, what even Republican governors are out there to run? I mean, obviously it's going to be terrible. Christy Noem can't run. Um, she damaged herself with the transgender bill, but plus she's, you know, She's a lightweight in her in many regards. And you run a really tiny state. Well, she's also her history is a little she's kind of like a chameleon, which, you know, she she kind of does and says what she's got to say in the moment. So I'm yeah, I don't think she's trusted, you know, that she's very trusted. As I've repeatedly said, the Republicans don't have a bench. We do not have a bench of people. We have the Republican party is an industry and we've people, professional Republicans. That's what we have. And that whole industry. So are we going to get another Trump problem? No, you know, if it's not Trump, I don't know who it's going to be, but right. it's not going to be someone that's Trumpy either. I mean, what if it's like so, Trump and Nikki Haley? He'll win in a no fucking way. landslide. He, he, he wouldn't pick Nikki Haley. No, no. I'm saying, She's running against him. Oh, God. Oh, she'll be done. She's I mean, not going to. if gonna, it's that crew, he's going to be recruited to run again because the base, we don't want those people. Like, he might be terrible, but he's <laughs> no, you know, he's the best terrible out of the lot. Yeah, no, he's definitely better than the other options. Um, But that's yeah. the problem is that there isn't any options. And I don't know. I mean, we should be optimistic. We're getting some good candidates um, raising up right now to run for state offices. Who's that guy in Arizona running against Mark Kelly? Um, He just did a great interview. Do you know his name? I can't remember his name. Isn't it Blake Masters? Yes. Is it Blake Masters? That guy. Yeah. Blake. He's great. He sounds great. We need more people like that. You need people working their way up in state offices. I know he's running for Senate, but, you know, people that are running for office, office working their way up that kind of understand the meaning of the Trump election. Um, and it's easy to caricature it the way the media has with a bunch of mouth breathing white supremacist, troglodyte, MAGA warriors, white supremacist, fro- Peppy the Frog, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's really is so much more than that. And, um, you know, you really we really need someone that understands why people supported voted for Trump and why they why he won um, without the the weakness of Trump, which, you know, is the fact that he doesn't know why he won. And he's really kind of like a showman. And so yeah. all of these things that we love so much or people love so much, Trump kind of giving it back as good as he's getting, it isn't because he necessarily believes in the principles as much as he's putting on a show. Right. So it's kind of, uh, as usual, as usual, depressing. Uh, (laughs) What other awesome things do we have in the news this week? Because this was kind of a crazy week. It was. Let me, uh, oh, I know I keep going back to January 6th, but remember the Lego guy? Oh, oh, yeah, that menace, right. So the FBI confiscated, seized what they called a fully 
fully constructed Lego set replica of the Capitol uh, by a guy they arrested in June. Um, so that news went viral. Media picked it up. It was like half mocking. And then also like who had what grown man has a Lego set of the Capitol? Well, it turns out it wasn't fully assembled. It was in a box and he is a history teacher. So he had replicas of other historical buildings and sites. And um, that was the mystery of the Lego box. So that was cleared up. Thank God. And thank God the Lego set is in FBI custody because who knows? Another wannabe insurrectionist could have gotten their hands on that Lego set, made little mini insurrectionist Lego men with Confederate flags and MAGA hats, maybe some horns. And who knows? We could have another insurrection on our hands. I wonder if the federal government has like enjoined Lego to stop making the capital, you know, just because it's too dangerous for the the commoners to have um it is kind of funny just thinking about it what what did they say it meant that he had this capital lego set like what what did that indicate you know what was that evidence of i like did, who did, knows are, are you telling me that the federal government is saying that lego has made a two <laughs> to scale schema of the inside of the capitol building it is this to scale with like all the passages and elevators and secret closets. It's all there in a Lego It's all set. there. Is that what I'm hearing? The, the little underground tunnels to AOC's office where they were right. going to take their zip ties and That's make right. a citizen's arrest. Yes. Hey, you know, it's been six months. Have we ever heard about the people that ripped out the panic button from Ayanna Presley's office? Remember have that? Not, have not found that. What's perp. up with that? I, 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 you know, did we get to the bottom of that? But back to this, I think this Lego Capitol building thing is so, is is just hilarious, but insane. I just <laughs> yes. don't understand in what way this is, indicates anything. Now, I will confess that here in Washington, D.C., at the Pentagon Costco, um, which is like the closest Costco to people that live in D.C. suburbs um, in Virginia, and in D.C., I think there's a Costco in D.C. now. They sell <clears throat> giant chocolate replicas of the Capitol building. Oh, you my God. Go in and <gasps> get and they're really big. They're not. It's not like a little tiny thing. It's not like a Christmas ornament size. They're, it's, it's a big thing. My And God. I see it. I've never bought one because I what, what am I going to do with it? I shouldn't eat it. So obviously <laughs> I'm not going to have it. But I mean, what if they find that in someone? You know, what does that mean? What would someone like that? a capital, a replica of the Capitol building in chocolate mean as far as someone's like dangerousness to, Can you or imagine overthrow the, the F- government. The FBI <laughs> swipes somebody's Costco receipt and they're like, they bought the cho- white chocolate replica of the Capitol they could, building. They could demand Costco like turn over their records. Who bought the Capitol building in chocolate? <laughs> Who built it? But you, you know, want- they always have them. <laughs> So somebody's buying them because they always have them. And I'm sure they're not the same ones. I always see them when I haven't been to Costco in ages. Um, but Nick, I should go to Costco just to see if they're there. You know uh, what? And then watch. I want you to go, go on a little reconnaissance, uh, reconnaissance mission. See if now it's like soaked in blood, like red icing <laughs> with like little clouds of tear gas. And, you know, see if the little gallows are outside. 
you know, to hang my insurrectionist, like yep. in it, like little chocolate insurrectionist. Or what if they just don't have it? And there's like a sign that says, you know, we think it's too dangerous to in sell honor this of replica of the Capitol to the general public. So we've taken it off the shelves. It's too in much. honor of all those fallen soldiers of the insurrection. <laughs> those we police no officers. Longer. Yeah, those poor police officers. That's yeah. just kind of a kind of a um that Lego thing was so so there was so much mockery on that. You you and it was deserved. It was it was really well deserved. Um it was. I, I thought it was the onion. I was like, it's not real. <laughs> and then it was real. But that happens but a lot. Really, it was real. Yes. Did so his lawyer the one that us. defended and said, like, no, he's a history teacher and he has lots of replicas of other buildings? Did they lock those buildings down? We're like, oh, my God, he is a replica of the Louvre. We got to tell him. <laughs> oh, my God. He has the Washington Monument. That's next. <sighs> that's, Let's put some oh, fencing okay. up around it. Save it from the Nazis, as Mark Milley so said. What other developments this week on, J- on January 6th, Julie, do you have to report to us? Um, well, they're uh, the crime family in Texas. They were arrested. So we have that. I'm not sure when their first hearing is um, the ongoing. What are they accused hearing. of? What is the family? I believe there's some minors, too. So what is this uh, crime family? You know, what, what are they accused of doing? The usual four misdemeanors, including parading, picketing or demonstrating in the Capitol building, which I thought was like, you know, a birthright as an American. But you are allowed to do that. Apparently not anymore. And just like trespassing. I think there's like restricted area, uh, maybe violent entry. That's another uh, popular one by Biden's uh, prosecutors. So they have all been charged. I think the minor, they spared her, which was nice of them. Um, But I have been listening for two days, the detention hearing for the Lego man. His name is Robert Morris. He is 27 years old, an army ranger, has three tours of duty in Afghanistan. Graduated from Penn State University and is now teaching high school history in Pennsylvania. Obviously, a very dangerous man. He sounds dangerous. uh, Yeah. So they, the government wants him held behind bars. He's already been in jail for over a month since his arrest on June 11th. They want to keep him behind bars for months on end until his trial is scheduled or he cops to some plea deal. He's accused of assaulting police officers, but the only evidence is based on what the government says. They did not even give the court the video, which was interesting. The judge demanded to see the video that, of course, DOJ and U.S. Capitol Police, the surveillance video, inside and outside the Capitol, uh, want kept concealed from the public and now defense lawyers and now judges, which was crazy. He did not sound happy that the prosecutor didn't have that video ready to go. So they want to keep this man behind bars. It was real. It's a sad, it was sad hearing his parents testified. His mom moved from Nevada to Pennsylvania, you know, told the court if he's allowed home on home detention, you know, I'll keep an eye on him. We'll follow all of the rules, et cetera. Um, it's just, it is so infuriating to hear these, listen to these hearings and see what the government is trying to do to these people, destroy them for no reason. This guy has no criminal record. He served his country honorably. Uh, he's a high school teacher. Um, he hasn't done anything in the past six months. He hasn't you know, committed any other crime. He hasn't fled the country. Um, and they're just ruining these families, uh, ruining these people's reputations, bankrupting them. Luckily for this guy, though, he has a really good public defender. She was very good, uh, opposed to the other ones that I've heard. So he is expected to rule 
um, on Tuesday now. Unfortunately, it'll be dragged out another week because he asked the government for this, uh, the videos that they said show him attacking police officers. This judge wants to see it. Well, thank God that judge did that. Um, Because I was going to ask, like, for what reason would you want to keep someone like this locked up? Like, is he he's accused of beating police officers. But if they don't have any video, then what is there evidence? Like, where would you have evidence that he right, did just beat this cherry officers? picked evidence that, you know, the, these clips, Liz, I mean, even the ones they're releasing, they're like 40 seconds long. Well, why aren't you just releasing, you know, huge chunks of video of what happened? And even in the videos that they're releasing <clears throat> uh, under this court order, uh, they're so narrow that it doesn't tell the story of what you're trying to show this particular offender did. So that's the stuff why I've seen, I can't even tell what the hell's going on. I mean, can't. the little clips of stuff. I'm like, how can you say any, I can't tell who's doing what. I don't know. Maybe that's just the stuff I've seen, but good for the judge. I mean, it seems like this guy shouldn't be kept in prison. Like some of the other people that are in there for nonviolent, nonviolent offenses or claims or, or even if you're accused even if you're even if you're accused of hitting a cop with a riot shield well you need you better show that very clearly and convincingly that still doesn't even mean you should be in jail for a year awaiting your trial i don't know that that happens no. anywhere else so they are only mm-hmm. doing this to punish people who protested joe biden's election that is what they're doing there's no other way to look at it because these people are not a danger to their community. He's freaking taught high school history for the past five months. He hasn't done anything since then. Um, so more depravity by people in power and government. Well, that seems like a really um, happy note to end Cheery. the show. To yeah. end the show with. Um, so thank you for listening to Happy Hour this week. Sorry we weren't here last week. I had a big project. I'm still finishing it up. Um, very busy, uh, but we will definitely be here next week. So subscribe to our happy hour and with Julie and Liz on iTunes. Give us five stars or six if they let you, but they don't because it doesn't exist. <laughs> and we will be here and we will be happy to talk to you next week. So have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.